to the Into the Wilderness podcast. We hope everyone enjoyed uh, the show that we put on two weeks ago, the first show of 2017 with a new intro. And to kick the year off, we gave away some Coldwell Emacs ear defenders and we had hundreds of people enter. Yeah, it was a good start to the year. Everybody was embracing the competition, which we run every two weeks. Yeah. And we have a winner. Um, Randomly selected from all the people who entered. And the winner is... Lee Young. Lee Young, congratulations. So you have one month to collect, your, to collect prize. your prize. And if you cool. don't claim, it'll be just rolled over. Yep. And someone else will have a chance. So make sure you email us uh, or ping us a message on the various social media platforms. You can email us um, info at paceproductionsuk.com. Or podcast at paceproductionsuk.com, which is actually the, the email for the show, which Byron didn't uh, forgot to mention. I about that one. Okay. Uh, we're running a new competition, which is to run, uh, to run, to win a Caldwell XLA bipod. It's a nine we've, to we've given away thirteen inch one. Two or three of these. Yeah, quite a few of them. Mm. Um, I actually use it on, on my own rifle as well. Uh, so if you want to know how you win this, you need to listen to the end of the show. We will tell you right at the end of uh, this interview how you can win the Coldwell XLA bipod. Yep. Uh, this week's show I recorded um, a couple of days ago now in the heart of one of the glens, just almost at the back of my house. Daryl was away doing some other things, so I was there by myself. Uh, but we had two guests. We had David Wright, he, who is the man behind the camera uh, on Field Sports Channel, and also the man who reads the news on Field Sports Channel. It is a, it is a funny show, because yeah. uh, I edit all the podcasts, and I wasn't there, and I was laughing. I most, could hear you most, giggling in most, the office. Most of the way through. So uh, it, I, it is a very funny show, but interesting as well. Very interesting and... Yeah, because the, the other guest there is uh, Roy, Roy Lupton, yeah. who a lot of people know from Field Sports Channel, but he has the most incredible depth of knowledge, especially when it comes to birds of prey. We kind of dipped into it a little bit. and We're going to have to get him on again. We are going to get him on again. Uh, because we've already said that we're going to do a, a, specific. a specific falconry uh, show and dedicate something to birds yeah. of prey. So I think Roy is the perfect person to go oh, for that. Oh, he absolutely is. Because there was two of them there, we had to kind of broaden our discussion uh, a little bit more. But I know that we can we could talk for a very long time just with Roy and just on that subject. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was really good fun. We were sat in, in this cottage. The fire was going... I'm not sure uh, if you can hear it, but there was a dog squeaking a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he in was the squeaking <laughs> most of the way through. Uh, there was a dog in the, in the same room as us, and I... I, I I think he wanted to be part of the podcast. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was it was fantastic to do. Uh, I, I enjoyed it, and I hope everybody else enjoys listening to it. Yeah, we've got uh, shows coming up from. We're going to be doing some at Iwa in. A f- I think it's a month. Start of March. Start yeah. of March. We're going to be doing various people that we've been trying to get our hands on, but we can get them there. And then we'll be doing more shows at the Northern Shooting Show coming up in a few months' time as well. Yes, and we've got uh, some really good guests coming up. One, I'm not quite sure exactly when she's going to be on, but Louise Gray, who wrote The Ethical Carnivore, she's coming on the show um, very soon. So you'll be hearing a podcast from her and all about her book and 
her ch- the challenges that she faced coming over to the idea of actually killing what you eat, which is something that we talk about a lot. We're going to be doing a news podcast probably next week or the week after just because we now have a massive pile of news that which is we haven't gone on our yet. page which we haven't gone through and people quite enjoy discussing the news and what's been going on so they do what's what we're gonna do it's probably worth also just saying uh before we kick into the actual interview is that we have just come back from our first wilderness hunt yep. we had people over from uh, norway and sweden and we went into uh the depths of the scottish highlands set up our TP tent and did what we like to do, which is hunt as raw and real as is possible, pretty much like we, we do in the Into the Wilderness series, which I'm sure a lot of you have probably watched, and I think everybody thoroughly enjoyed it. And we've got, It was really good fun. There's a whole ton of pictures which we're going to start putting out, um, which you'll see on our, our De- Definitely page. check out our Instagram page, Pace underscore brothers, because that's where you'll see most of the pictures first before anywhere else. And there are some really cool pictures. And what was really awesome is that we got to be with uh, two people that had never... Well, in fact, none of them had shot red deer before. No, no one had shot red deer before. And some of them had never even shot a deer or a big animal before. So it was really magical to be there at the same time. Yeah, it was. And see their reactions and also taking stuff back to camp cutting it butchering it up and it was you know part of our meals for three days and the the best part is that all the leftover food what wasn't eaten was then processed at the back at the game dealer once we came back and uh, being given to the homeless in aberdeen yes absolutely oh. which is a, a really great initiative from the, the estate that we mm-hmm. were on which they also do with all their pheasants yes they do the fe- um, all the pheasants none of them get sold and they all get um cut up uh, sent off and they're given to the homeless people over a thousand pheasants yeah which is uh is brilliant brilliant <laughs> yeah. to see uh we won't hold you up anymore this podcast as with all our podcasts is brought to you by the scottish association for country sports uh, they are scotland and northern ireland's largest field sports advocacy body representing members interests across the uk from firearms licensing to wildlife and land management to the broader field sports insurance and legal support. SAX is run by its members for its members. If you are not a member of a shooting or countryside organization, but you enjoy partaking in it, then I suggest you have a, a long, hard think about why you're not. And uh, a good place to start is look up SAX and become a member. Done. Enjoy the show. David Roy, welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. I am... You guys are in, in my hometown, in my back garden here. <laughs> it, for, for once, I actually found out that you were going to be here, which was nice of Roy to let me know that you were going to be up, David. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're sitting uh, in a cottage in a glen, not very far from where I live. Uh, you will probably be able to hear a fire crackling, dog talking in the corner, logs going on fires. So this is, a, this is very raw, raw and real. You're both here doing some filming for Field Sports Channel. Uh, a lot of our listeners probably know about Field Sports Channel anyway, because we had uh, your other half, David. My other half, my <laughs> other, my <laughs> other wife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlie on uh, last year. Nobody listened to that podcast. Everybody hated oh, it. I wouldn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we were just discussing earlier. It's how many years has it been since Field Sports Channel started? We launched in uh, on the August twelfth, two thousand and nine, uh, but we've been sort of building up to that probably about sort of, I don't know, eight months before that. We didn't know whether anyone would talk to us. So it was 
you know, it was it was really was suck it and see. So, you know, if we launched ourselves out there on the glorious 12th and just hope that someone would watch us. So, Can yeah. you remember what your show was on the 12th? Um, I'm pretty sure it was... It wasn't the Ferrari one, was it? No, no, God, no, no. That was way later. Way later. No, I think it was... Did we do the road calling? Yeah, we were road... Yeah, it was the first time we went out road calling with um, John Tobin. See, that was, again, you know, I was relatively new to this industry and then obviously completely new to Mr. Lupton and he then started talking about road calling and I had no idea. And then this... I mean, you, you explained. Well, I mean, you came, you came to us as a literally as a field sports virgin, didn't you? So you'd had no experience really in in any of the hunting sports or shooting sports, and um, you know, you'd obviously come from a, a journalistic background. Which, um, yeah, I, when you first when you first rocked up, we, we, we uh, treated you with much suspicion. He was very nervous. He, he googled me a lot, and there's not a lot to see on Google. <laughs> it really isn't. Well, we're we're going to get into your background no. very soon. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to go that far back. <laughs> It was a long time ago. I needed the money. <laughs> and it, it <laughs> and it, it, but it, it's, I mean, by any measure, it's been a tremendous success. Or I guess highs and lows along the way. But what has been, what do you think has been the difference? Because there's a lot of, you know, when you did it, YouTube was kind of in its infancy. And sure, and certainly in terms of hunting uh, films on YouTube, that was in its infancy. A lot have come and disappeared in the years that you've been running. Like, what what has been the difference? Why are you still going and still getting more subscribers, still getting more viewers, and going from strength to strength? Whereas it's some people clearly it's been a challenge, and, and some haven't succeeded along the way. I think a lot to do with a sense of humour and a lot to do with relationships, because we knew that we would be doing probably a lot of the of similar stuff, and we had to have people in those films that people could relate to. Um, but also brought an awful lot of character and they could see the relationship and, and they could imagine going out and spending time with those people because when I came in th into the industry, so to speak, um, I didn't really, first of all, know whether people would, would talk to us and they did talk to us, but also I didn't realise how much information was going to be there. It's all right having the information, but if you can't impart that information, then it's sort of lost. But I managed to discover through fair means and foul, the likes of Roy, the likes of Crow, who were, first of all, great fun to be around. I was learning something. And I thought, if I'm learning something, then hopefully other people are going to learn something too. So, But they, with that, our relationship developing and my relationship with Charlie developing, you know, you could see that actually this is all about us going out and having a great time. And that's what other people around the world do. That, that's, that's the link between all the sort of hunters out there. And I think people thought we have to, toe the line of this is very serious we're doing this because we have to be ethical we have to include animal welfare in what we're doing but people were then sidelining the idea that people actually want to go out and have a good time and charlie's always been very very pro that you know he's, he's he wants to stand up and say you know i do this because i love it not because i want meat for the for the freezer although you probably do want meat for the freezer but it's there inside you and you love doing it and that's what i saw in the likes of roy and Crow and Mark Gilchrist and all the sort of guys that were there from the very start um, was an absolute passion. And But the thing is, what's incredible about Roy is the, the breadth of his knowledge from whether it's put an air rifle in his hand or put a golden eagle on his fist. You know, it's extraordinary what he does. It's absolutely extraordinary. And so he's been an absolute gift in the fact that we have gone and covered so much, so many different topics mm. with just one man. It's amazing. 
I mean, how was it for you in the in the early days, Roy? Is that, has that been the first lot of kind of filming you'd done? We we dabbled um, with some falconry filming before that with a, a DVD that we'd made um, and put that out commercially. But yeah, I mean, for, for actually presenting to camera um, and taking it you know, that little step further and being serious, that really was you know my my sort of first step into it properly. Um, and as I say, coming from a, a field sports background and um, you know, I've, I've spent my life you know, playing around and um, shooting and and um, you know working with the birds and whatever else. Um, and you, you always build up a fair amount of suspicion from uh, outside journalists, and um, you know you, you do come across them occasionally. And you've got to be very careful, obviously, from a, a PR perspective whenever you're dealing Just with people like that. that it, out of exactly, because it's incredibly easy to twist something and, and to turn it against you. So, you know, when um, when the guys or when David rocked up and um, was like, oh, you know, can we do this? Can we do that? Or you know, what what can we do? Is there any any chance of coming out and watching what you do? Then you know, we were uh, all right. Yeah, I was um, a little bit suspicious and. You can never trust this man. Especially, <laughs> you've got to be very, very careful what you let him film. But uh, yeah, it will be used as leverage in the future. <laughs> but no, it's, uh, as I say, it's, it's, it's just been fantastic, though, because the reception that, that the um, Field Sports Channel um, has, got, has, has had over the years and just to see it evolve and develop um, has been superb. And again, David was talking about the relationships that we have, and I think that really is the, the core strength to it is because we all get on um you know all the you know all the guys know each other and i think you know i mean obviously you know i've only only met up with yourself a couple of times now and um but it's it's clear from the very start you know that that the people within the industry um have got a, a passion for it um and with that passion I, I you know you you see it develop and you see the the programming's the or the programs develop and you see the the relationships develop through that and it's it, it really is you know a little bit like a family um, yeah, we, you know we 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 do have our tiffs and we have a you know a, a falling out here and there. But again, you know it's it's that that draws us back to it, and it's it's coming up with um, ideas and and just trying to push the envelope a little bit more. And that's what we find really exciting, you know. And, and we've had we've we've made a few faux pas along the way, and. and you know, push the envelope slightly in a direction that probably wasn't <laughs> advisable, um, you know, and had a slap on the wrist from it, and then came back in. But yeah, you know, it's it's part of that learning curve, and that's that's what I really enjoy. And and then to see the the, the response that we get, so to actually get that feedback from people, um, whether it's through social media or the the thing that I find amazing is. Um, you know, you, I, I very rarely go to game fairs now, but you, you go out or, you know, you go to a gun shop or whatever else. And immediately people um, associate with you and they come over on a very friendly basis. And I think that's, you know, it's quite phenomenal because you don't realise when it's just David and I in the field, you know, stalking or doing some falconry or bow hunting or whatever else. You don't realise how far reaching it is. And I've had some real <laughs> odd times, you know, in odd countries. I think you say odd people. <laughs> you know, odd people. There's lots of odd people. Uh, it's, uh, the industry definitely draws on those. But, you know, I've, I've had, um, you know, guys come up to me in, um, in a high street in uh, Dubai. Mm. Um, you know, this, this crazy Russian guy comes marching up to him and he was huge. And he's sort of thinking, oh, Christ, what's, you know, have I done something wrong here? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know you. And, and, you know, and you just have a conversation about it. it just, and I, I think that's, you know, that, that's superb. You don't realise how far reaching it is. I mean, how do you, I mean, clearly you get a huge amount of positive enforcement of what you're doing from, yeah, yeah. from people and feedback. But I mean, we were talking about it today when we were just out doing doing some filming. The, the odd negative 
thing that filters in there and sometimes it can kind of feel like you know th there's a lot of it i mean how did you deal with that in the early days i guess now you probably just ignore it yeah exactly no i mean now you, unfortunately there's um there are people that are against what we do there are people that are uneducated um and don't want to be educated into the the realms of of what we do and you know whenever whenever we're we're making a film you try and um or, or from my perspective you try and do it in a way that people can glean some information and hopefully you know come out after watching it with a, a positive attitude about what we do um but unfortunately you know you're never you're never going to reach everybody like that and yeah we do we do come across antis we do you know we've had our our fair amount of death threats over the years and and whatever else from uh, you're you still know. standing well yeah <laughs> just about wobbling <laughs> easy target <laughs> And what about you, David? From where you came from, or maybe we maybe we should go go back there. Let's uh, let's talk about your your no. your 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 filming career <laughs> <laughs> behind the camera. <laughs> from moving from ITV, where you were before, into what you do now, how was that transition? Uh, you're missing out a, a, a very important piece before that Absolutely as well. Not uh, is, is modeling a very serious oh, yeah, question. No. I'm going to answer <coughs> seriously too. I. So we'll, we'll go back to that, Roy. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If you start nodding off, please <laughs> signal to me, sort of wrap up. Or the, but it, I, I'd gone back and retrained as a. I wanted to do broadcast journalism, mm -hmm. so uh, I went back and I managed very luckily to get a, a sort of apprenticeship, even though I was quite long in the tooth. Apprenticeship with ITV, and went through the ranks there. But it got to the point where I was dodging redundancy all the time because they were losing people. Before I think I think X Factor saved ITV, but. Before that sort of cash came into the into that particular business, they were losing people, so they lost all the editors. So I was a journalist, I was a reporter out on the street, you know, cat up tree type thing, um, or you know, RTAs, all that sort of stuff. So I was doing that, and then they got rid of the editors, so I had to learn to edit, and then they got rid of all the cameramen with a huge slew of people. So I had to learn then how to use a camera. So I was out. Because they said, well, the journalists are going to be out on the job anyway. So suddenly you became a self-contained production unit, which mm -hmm. is incredibly useful. Um, and at that time, I was I was doing stuff, starting to work with Charlie. And it, be, it, it meant that I had the broadcast understanding, whereas he had the print understanding. And I'd met Charlie doing an ITV production, doing an ITV production on Wild Boar. So he'd been my expert out in Croatia. Uh, we have Tomo Svetic, who is still a very good friend of mine. Yeah. So, you know, it's sort of, it was weird that, the, and also Dom Holton was in that film too. Oh, was he really? So, so I've got Holton, I've got Svetic, and I've got, <laughs> I've got Charlie in that film, all of which, all of whom I should say, uh, are still very good friends of mine. So, you know, that was, that was quite a, a weird thing. And that was back in 2008. So, so those skills, I've always been interested in, in field sports, uh, you know, air rifles as a kid and everything else, but it was talking to Charlie and seeing his enthusiasm for the sport, I thought, you'd be really good in front of camera, because, I, you know, I, that was my business, I wanted people to be expressive and informative in front of camera, and he was doing that, and he was, he was very, I remember him talking, about, the thing that got me was that he was talking about boar, and he did this thing about, sort of, he, he sort of almost held up his hands as if they were footsteps, it's like, you hear a boar, it's like, and then you hear a roe deer, and it's like more like, and it, I don't know, it just sort of, it just, it, 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 it spoke you. to me, it captured me. Yeah. And I then asked him about the industry. I said, what's going on? He said, well, you've got specialist consumer magazines, you've got DVDs. But as far as the UK is concerned, there is nothing available, actually, uh, you know, as far as, as broadcast media. 
And then we looked at all the various different options and YouTube was there. It was very much sort of, oops, I've slipped on a banana skin, but it was an option. We had our own server to start with and it became so expensive. It's like, I remember, I think we were going to, might have been going to Ewa for the first time. He said, I think we should go to YouTube. And I was like, really? It looks really bad. It's like got it YouTube branding all over. It did in the early days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just thought, we said, no, no, I think it's going to be cheaper. But also I think this is the way to, to really reach an audience and yeah, it was absolutely right. we could have done it six months earlier and we always say that maybe we should have got done it six months earlier to do more land grabbing because that was you know films like the road calling that we did with Roy at the very beginning that has been watched a lot and if at that We're point millions yeah so you know a number of our films have gone over a million which is brilliant and a, a lot of them contain Roy. you got you got chance films like um, George I was at Bisley Live when George Digweed went and shot oh, that and was stepped back. Inste- yeah, stepped that was back amazing. From, and then Peter, so hilarious though. You look at the comments, all the Americans say that we fudged it. He said, oh, there's really? a, they're people, so they're actors. Apparently they're actors watching George. <laughs> what a load. I mean, actually it was rain. Uh, Mark Kahn just was. For, sorry, for, the, for those people yeah, yeah, who yeah, haven't yeah, seen yeah, it, yeah, just yeah, explain yeah. this. Ex- so what it was, George, George does this thing where he does, a, I think it's like a uh, springing teal target and he shoots it at 10 yards and then progressively walks back so 20 yards, 30 yards, and we got to 130 yards. Mark Kahn from Zeiss was actually had the tent behind us as we walked back. Uh, the Zeiss tent was there, um, and he ranged finder. It was over 130 yards. But people were picking up his shells and looking at the shells and just seeing what he was using. But it was extraordinary. But I think, yeah, he, he got 130 without any problem at all. I think he might have dropped one shot. Um, but then people were saying on the comments underneath that film, because of the delay between the shot being taken and the applause, mm-hmm. it was clearly dubbed afterwards. I can assure you it wasn't dubbed afterwards. That happened in real time. And George uh, is an incredible shot. And he shot that. And that, that you know, that's been watched over a million times. It was but staggering. It's just one of those moments, yeah. you know. It's just one of those moments. And it was a still bright day. Perfect to take those type of... Uh, uh, to make that... Sort of, we sort of claimed it as a world record. You know, to, oh, crikey, not many people will be able to do it anyway. So it is, it is a world achievement, I would say. A world-breaking achievement. I think we're going to have to touch on it because Roy brought it up. What? You, you retrained. Retrained from what, David? I was what, a marine biologist, Byron. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have a master's in marine biology, so I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> tell, tell, tell the good people of our podcast what, what? Uh, what your early career was, because we're going to talk about this with Roy. So I, it's only fair I that I stumbled into a career, which was lots of fun, and I met my wife doing it, which was <laughs> wonderful. So I, I was an advertising model for a number of years. And I've represented and worked for a number of very, very well-known, famous brands. He just swept his hair back, by the way. Hey, he's, 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 he's looking for uh, I did some good stuff, but I did some appalling stuff. It was all this, always the rubbish stuff that got seen by everybody. <laughs> I did a, I did a, I did a one particular job for. Apparently, it was a pharmaceutical company. So, pharmaceutical company had booked me, and I, and I was there with a girl in a studio, and I was supposed to hug this girl. And she was supposed to be not my girlfriend, but someone who I could tell anything to. Was like, this right, was your okay. remit, wasn't it? This is my <laughs> remit for my, my modeling job. And so it then transpired that it was a quarter page in the Telegraph for Preparation H. <laughs> so, yeah, there was class, class moments like that. I, was a go- I, was, I did a lot of posters, actually. I was a, gon- a gondolier. Is that a gondolier? Gondoliero? Gondolier. Who's the guy that pushes the... Gondolas along. Yeah. Gondolier. Yeah. I was a gondolier for Ginster's pasties. Wow. <laughs> Claim to fame. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Nokia 
Marks and Sparks. There's some stuff from Marks and Sparks. But yeah. you can, I mean, you can see it when you do the news, though, can't you? you I know. Do, you've just got that that, very, that sort of presence. Very dashing chat. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, there is an inside joke there, right? In the news, it's a throwback. <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, I I do enjoy news, but yeah, we've never again. It's all about, you know, some of the stories are pretty. You know, they are very serious. Yeah, but, there are. You know, some, you know, I do it in my back garden and um you know it's it's a cheap studio just g- give us the line give us the last line oh, <laughs> <laughs> come on you knew i was gonna ask for it come on I we really all want to hear it have to, uh, do I have to turn at the same time <laughs> yes, I don't please. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> I, can't. I can't roy you do it you can no no you do you do the impression what's funny no what's funny <laughs> is that so many people come to me and get it wrong do they stalking for facts fishing for <laughs> accuracy it's like no oh, for god's sake so it is Stalking the stories, fishing for facts. There we are. <laughs> Lovely. Fantastic. Round of applause. If Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Ripple, ripple, ripple. <laughs> Bless you. Okay, I think we need to give David a break. Yes, we do. <laughs> Roy, mo- people who uh, know of you, know of you, you know, primarily as a, a man who has, is incredibly passionate about field sports, but birds, but your sort of early career, what is the path that's taking you to where, where you are now? A misspent youth. No, I was... Um, As with most of us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the only, I think it's the only way you get into it, isn't it? Uh, as I... Um, I mean, my, my passion for birds, I suppose, started first. Well, no, I, I got an air rifle when I was um, seven. Um, no, no, sorry, an air pistol when I was seven, but immediately had it taken off me because um, I went out and shot a starling just to get a better look at it. I was Victorian bird watching, um, but yeah, so that was um, it was a, a year or two before I got that back, um, and then when I was nine years old, I got my first bird of prey. I, um, there was a, a guy that probably shouldn't have been, but he was selling tawny owls at a boot fair. Um, at a boot fair. At a boot fair, yeah. Wow. Um, he had um, he had some young tawnies. Um, and I got hold of one of the, the chicks or bought it off him and then reared it up and that was my sort of first introduction to birds of prey then from there you go on and you know you learn a little bit more and maybe you shouldn't have <laughs> bought it and you shouldn't have done this and you shouldn't have done that and then I went on when I was 12 I went on some courses with um, Steve and Emma Ford who were running out of Sterling Minnis there um, who are a lovely couple and they did you know some fantastic falconry courses and then throughout that period as well um, alongside that, I was lucky enough to be sort of taken under the wing of a, a local gamekeeper um, who got me into fox calling, who got me into rabbiting, who got me into ferreting and um, sort of showed me the way. And it, it's really gone from there. Um, I, I sort of um, blagged it through um, school and um, college and what have you and uh, probably didn't um, do quite as well as I should have done. But uh, that's because we were bunking off and um, playing with the birds and uh, playing with the rifles and whatever else. So, you know, it's it's just been it's been something that's been ingrained um, from a, a very early age, and it's it's just something that that I, uh, you know, from as I say, from my very f- my very earliest memory is of you know being fascinated by wildlife, and I think that it also comes from um, you know it's, it's not just the hunting aspect um, that gets me; it's the understanding and the, the you know trying to learn as much as you can about the subject and about the animals and about the birds and about the environments that you're dealing with. Um, and that's what really sort of interests me um, and really gets my juices flowing to try and, you know, be try and gain as much knowledge and try and understand um, as much as you can about the, the, you know, the animals that you're dealing with and the environments that you're dealing with. Hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been doing while, while you've been up here. I know you were up a, a few weeks ago and you've got a number of birds up. Maybe you can just give me a flavour of the birds that you've brought and, and the hunting that you've been doing 
keeping in mind a lot of people who uh, listen to this might never have seen birds really working. And you, you truly are working them. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I mean, it, it, the whole ethos behind falconry um, originally was to put food on the table. So, um, you, you know, you're, you're going out there um, in an effort, one, to feed and exercise the hawk and to make sure that the hawk is in the best possible condition. And, you know, that's, that's paramount, um, you know, throughout. And that's the, the first thing to, to, uh, to achieve. Because obviously if the birds are um, not in condition or the birds are not a, a, a good weight or not fit, then they're not, it, it, it's very difficult for them to catch quarry. So they've got to be on the top of their game. We've got to be on the top of our game with giving them the opportunities. Um, but, you know, as I say, we go out there um, and we're looking to, again, you're not looking for massive bags, but you're looking for um, to have some wonderful sport to see nature really in its its rawest element. So you, it, it is like a, um, I suppose, bird watching on speed because you are, you're just engulfed within it and you are part of it um, and you're, you're seeing nature play out in front of you. And... That that really is, I suppose, the essence of it for me. Um, the byproducts are from that are, you know, obviously, if you're successful, then you get some, you know, we, we obviously went out um, today and yesterday and we brought some hair home. Um, we just which carried we, it today. Exactly, yeah. we had a lovely, lovely hair curry there, which was superb. Um, you know, so, you know, it's, it's about using it. It's about um, making sure that you, you respect what you catch and you honour what you catch. Um, but it's, you know, as I say, primarily it's for, it's for watching the birds. We were working two golden eagles today. Um, Cappy, who I think is, I'm not 100% sure, I've got to look back, but he's, I think he might be in his 21st or 22nd season. So I've had him since he was 19, 20 weeks old. Um, and we've been hunting together since then. Um, and I've got my other golden eagle with us, uh, Baby. I think he's in his eighth or ninth season. Um, the fruitail, which is a, a third season bird, and then we went out this evening quickly with a goshawk to catch a few rabbits, and she's just a um, you know coming up a year old. So, you know, you've got a, a big diverse range there, um, and each one of the birds flies in a slightly different way, um, and we've trained uh, the two goldies in a slightly different way as well for for the way that we hunt them. Cappy is an eagle that um, we let go off into the wind normally, um, off a, a wind facing hill, and then he'll climb above us and wait on. And then we flush the hairs with the dogs underneath him. Um, whereas baby, um, we we fly him primarily out of the hood um, at, a, at the quarry once it's got up. So once the hairs away, then the hood comes off and the eagle starts the pursuit, um, and it plays out in front of you. But we're working a, a team of dogs. So we've got oh, how many dogs have we got up with us? Four, five, six or seven dogs. Can't remember. But we've got um, we've got a, a good pack. So we've got um, our old. I say old. She's not that old. We've got a um, a wirehead Vizsla bitch, and then we've got uh, three of her puppies that we're working as well. F sorry, four of her puppies that we're working as well, um, and they've been crossed with a German wirehead pointer. And we tried it as an experiment, and it's working out really well because they've got they're a little bit more biddable than a German. They're not quite as hard headed. Um, but they've definitely got a better nose than the, the wirehead vizsla, so it's, it's a you know really nice combination. And and again, seeing the the um, the dogs come through is is absolutely lovely, and just seeing them come to the fore and uh, start working. And again, it's the same as when you breed your own birds, when you breed your own dogs, because obviously we've been into it for quite a long time. You know, you see the progression, and it's amazing when you when you start breeding, you know, breeding lines and breeding for a few years, you definitely see the same traits come out within them. So. 
you know the uh, the dogs definitely carry the you know the traits of their parents and again the same with the birds you can see particular traits coming out within the birds as well no that must be uh, incredibly satisfying and it's quite an unusual thing to have a relationship with an animal over such a period of time. I know when I when I saw you a few weeks ago, you were telling me how old the eagle was, and I, I was saying, well, how long's it got left? But uh, quite a lot, Hopefully quite so. a lot of quite yeah, a yeah. lot of years potentially. Mm. How does that relationship change over? You know, twenty years is a long time, even to know a person. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it is. I mean, it's um, it is a very very long term relationship, and it's. But again, I think that's why I wanted to get into eagles primarily in the first place because it is. It's a bird that you can spend your whole life with, hopefully, mm. or your your adult life. Um, so, you know, to see him develop over the years has just been amazing. I mean, all the birds develop over the years, but to see, you know, to see him work with him, um, you know, has just been an absolute dream. Um, you know, from, as I say, from a, a child, that you know, the dream of actually being able to work with the Golden Eagle came to fruition and then, you know, actually managing to spend that amount of time, you know, working with him has just been, well, yeah, I mean, we've been blessed, but... Hopefully we'll go on for a few more years. I mean, he's, he's you know same as me. He's got a few aches and pains, and uh, he's developing a bit of arthritis here and there. But yeah, fingers crossed, he should be able to uh, to keep cracking on. Uh, David, how do you how have you found the challenge of doing something like this? I mean, let's take the example of what we're doing, what, what you've been doing the last two days, filming birds of prey hunting. I mean, it's it doesn't get much more difficult than that. You can't really you know they. It, you can't communicate with them like you can a person. If you someone is out stalking, you can say, well, "Hold on a second. You know, to some extent, you've got to be you've got to be ready. And I guess you, you've built that up over the years of ever being ready for field sports, which is uh, yeah. not something you can always plan for. No, I mean, I mean how, how, do, how have you found that as someone who didn't necessarily come from a, you know, a really strong field sports background, as you said yourself earlier? No, it's every time you go out, it you rely on the um, willingness of the hunters to sort of think about you. And Roy thinks about me. So even though, you know, obviously the eagle is is what's flying, it's the person, that can, you know, handling that eagle that helps or handling that rifle or air rifle or whatever. So I need, as much as I want it to be just me being fly on the wall, I need there to be some cooperation with the people I'm with. And what's great about the people that I do work with and enjoy working with is that for one moment, even the heat of the moment, I've got Lupton going, are you on it? Mm -hmm. I've got Crow going, you know, holding back. I mean, Crow lives to shoot pigeons, and yet he will say, are you on it? Are you on it? And you want it. And he'll hold off and hold off and hold off, and then he'll take the shot when he knows I'm on it. So I have very considerate people that I work with that allow me to actually do my side of it so with the eagles i love filming eagles i've always had have enjoyed filming the eagles and the goshawks you know again it, i think it's spectacular the fact how that, that someone like roy can can work and manage the, the eagles like he does charlie for example loves filming dogs and seeing dogs work for, for, for me actually it's more so for the birds and, and filming the birds i do love it and you know the slow-mo works so beautifully with them you know it just absolutely works a treat you know and i've had i've had some really thrilling moments with it. And one of the most exciting sort of flights I got was went mental on Facebook when Charlie reissued it only if sort of about six months ago. I think we had 12 million views on it, which was the, uh, the brown hair in, in, uh, in Lincolnshire, where, you know, you've got the eagle coming in, the hair escapes the talons of the eagle by leaping at the last minute and spinning three times in the air and, and just buggering off. You know, it was just extraordinary, wasn't it? I mean, some of the, again, some of the wildlife spectacles you see are just, just unbelievable, aren't they? Yeah. And that's that's part of it, isn't it? Because you, you know, as I say, it is. You are just you know, immersed within that 
within that time frame and, <laughs> and watching nature unfold in front I of you. I think one of the most um, poignant films from last year, more so obviously for him, but it was filming of the uh, the big white fuller book, mm. which I've been filming for years, but Bex and Roy have been filming for, for longer. So that was really weird. And Dom as well, who's with us in the, in the cottage as well. You know, we were all there when this magnificent buck was just standing there and then turned broadside. And Roy, we didn't, I didn't know whether Roy was going to shoot it. Dom didn't know whether Roy was going to shoot it. But there was history. You know, talking about history, obviously, with the Golden Eagle, there was history with that wild animal, let alone a, a captive animal. I actually don't, I don't know this story. I, I must have missed this one. So you no, this was, we, we put this out. Was, well, it must have been, it was during the rut, wasn't it? Was it was in the rut, yeah, it was in the rut. It was the rut. But it was sort of, it was weird. I, I, I watched it again the other day and... Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's you do, it, it does become personal, doesn't it? You yeah, know, it, it did does. become so what, very what personal. Your, what was your story there, Roy? Just for those it, it was a, um, a fallow buck uh, on one of the pieces of stalking that we've we've had, and um, we knew him as a, a two-year-old. We got some footage of him coming in um, to the the ant clattering antlers. We called him in in the rut um, when he was two, and on that particular estate, they prefer the lighter-coloured bucks. So although he didn't have the, the most fantastic head. We, um, you know, we decided that you know he was uh, one to let let go, and um, you know, hopefully, we'll he'd survive. And again, I mean, in the in the southeast of England, with a wild population of fallow, it's incredibly difficult to manage your bucks because, you know, the bucks can tra you know tra travel over twenty miles of an evening, um, and within you know within that range, I mean, you, you know, most of the stalking grounds down there are sort of three or four hundred acre patches. So, you know, if, if those bucks are, uh, you know, walking off, then they're going to pass through a lot of other stalkers' territories. So the chances of them surviving are quite slim. And a lot of the bucks we've left there over the years have never, never returned. And, um, you know, you hear, you hear tales of them after they've sort of got to five or six years old and um, then, they, you know, they, they walk into a, a neighbouring field and um, somebody shoots them. So, yeah, that's, that's part and parcel of it. Um, but this particular old boy, he, you know, he, he obviously was uh, quite a smart lad and kept his head down. Um, and, you know, each year we sort of went back and revisited that rutting stand and, um, you know, went and said hello and sort of paid our respects to him and uh, tipped our caps and let him walk by. Um, and, you know, we've, we've had some you know, great encounters with him over the years. Um, but this, this year, you know, I think he was, what was he, nine, ten, no, ten, yeah, coming on ten. Um you know, I was looking at him. He got an injury to his back leg. Um, again, it you know it wasn't overly bad, but you sort of start to question. He was definitely going back. You know, his head was uh, you know nowhere near as good as it had been. Um, and again, if we'd had a hard winter, you start to wonder you know how far the teeth had gone and what have you. So we decided that it was probably the time to um, yeah to take him. And it's it's it really was i mean i said it on the film but it was an incredibly bittersweet moment you know it was it was nice to sort of almost draw that chapter to a close and you you know you've 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 come to the end of it but it's in just an incredibly sad feeling um knowing that you won't see him again um especially when you've had a that relationship well, you know, we we see it as a relationship. I'm just sure. I'm, I'm sure he <laughs> he thought of it just as a, a pest that came in from the rutting no, stands. It was, but what was weird was the face off. He yeah, stood yeah. there for such a long, long time, time looking at you. Mm. Really, that was weird. That was weird. yeah. But it was yeah. It was you know. As I say, I mean, I I decided it was time whether or not that was the right decision to make. Well, then, yeah, it's too late. You can never you can never come back on that. Um, 
and again, it's just it's just those you know those touching moments that you see, and it's it's just again for me to have that captured on video as well was just a beautiful moment, you know, to see and uh, just a beautiful film because it it just you know obviously we've seen we've seen that Buck grow, we've seen him, him grow old, we've seen him go past best, we've seen him at his prime, um, but you know as a as a to have that to go back on and look at in the future of of the memories of him, I think is is. Yeah, actually quite beautiful. Um, It's it's outstanding. It's a really hard thing to explain to people who have no uh, real perception of what hunting and and who hunters are as people. Yeah. Okay, not to say that everybody's like that, but that little story that you've just told there, I think encapsulates it beautifully Mm. because we are so often painted in the greater media as just bloodthirsty killers. Exactly. Yeah, Uh, yeah, okay, you justify it by you, you eat your stuff, but you like killing. But, you know, there is so much more to that story. And that, that's a great example because it's, you know, every year you've consciously made a decision. You've had the ri- rifles in your hands and you've had the choice to pull the trigger or not. And eventually you've taken that decision to do it. Yeah. And there is definitely a connection between yourself and the animal. Oh, 100%. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think this is something th- that we, again, we try to portray when we're doing the films, that it's not just about going out and, and killing. You know, it's going out and you know bearing witness to 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 the countryside being involved with wildlife being uh, being involved with the animals that we're we're dealing with and showing them you know the the greatest amount of respect um you know they are whether you're hunting rabbits whether you're hunting hares whether you're stalking deer um you know whether you you're um big game hunting in in Africa you know you've got to well, from my perspective if you if you ha- if you don't respect them and if you don't appreciate them then you really shouldn't be hunting them Um, and I think I think that's something as I say that we try to portray and try to hopefully show people that are not necessarily in our camp that 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 is what we do and that you know that that's that is what we we try to do and that's what we try and impress upon the the younger the younger generation coming into the 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 hunting community Um, and and it was something you know that, that was um drummed into me as a boy that you know, you don't kill anything. You don't take anything's life without showing reverence and understanding, and um, you know, using you know, using that animal to the 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 obviously eating it, using the skins if you can or whatever else. It's it's all a part of the process um, of of understanding it and and as I say, showing the respect by by not just you know, it's not just willy nilly killing. It is you know, obviously using them for a purpose. David, how have you found capturing that story? Because I see it done, and I'm sure the rest of the world sees it done so badly. And I don't mean uh, in terms of sort of quality of footage, but grasping that correct storyline that shows the correct emotion at the correct times. I mean, we've all seen the... Uh, and it, it, I almost want to stop myself stereotyping it like this, but it more often than not comes out of America, the sort of stereotypical American... High fives. Sorry. Oh yeah, sorry. sorry I, 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 I thought you were stopping. Yes. <laughs> Stop. That was a high, was a high yes. five, Byron. Yes, that was a high five. That's what it is. I wasn't stopping you. I thought, what have I said wrong? <laughs> sorry. Yes. Yeah. I no. Was, exactly. Yeah. I'll put my. The, I'll sit on my hands the, for a second. The high fiving. Yes. It, we see that so often, and it's it gives a very tainted uh, picture to people looking at it from the outside in, but. You know, you've captured it so well so often because you've you know, been doing it for so long. You have a weekly show. 
How has that been for you uh, and uh, the conscious effort that goes into telling those stories in the right kind of way? Telling the story is, is vitally important and that's what I enjoy. I enjoy telling a story. I'm a journalist at heart and that's, that's what drives me. And I, uh, But to be honest, I am hopefully a fly on the wall for a lot of these situations and what we see is pretty much what we get. You know, I don't say, oh, come on, you can be a bit more enthusiastic about that rabbit, Roy. You know, I don't get, you know, it. it's, again, I think it's down to the characters that I, I, I film because they're, they're good guys and they love what they do. You know, I, some, I, some of the stuff you see in the States, if you've been standing up on a, on a tree stand for eight hours with a bow in your hand and you suddenly you get your, your white-tailed, and, you know, you've put a lot of time and effort into that particular yes, hunt there's a and therefore there's, a, there's a, a sense of elation. And, you know, again, emotion is, is incredibly important and, um, you know, for a lot of the situations, it's not a life or death situation. We are going to eat tonight. You know what I mean? It's mm. not like it's a case of uh, we've gone out purely to survive, um, but we've probably, probably invested a lot of time in, in that. But it's, um, you know, I, it, people react normally. Um, and I can't say I've filmed with a, a vast amount of excitable people. You know, in the situation, there's been a hell of a lot of reef, relief. I mean, I mean, they call, we, we call Roy the postman because we've been out, out and it's like, this ain't happening, this ain't happening. And then suddenly this robot decides that he wants to be famous that evening and, um, and we end up getting a, a film with a, you know, an ending. And, you know, and it's relief more than anything else, I think, um, rather than celebration. Hmm. Yeah. And what, what, sorry, Roy, do you want to come in there? No, no, I was just saying, you know, it's, again, it, you know, it's, it's part of it, isn't it? Because it's, whenever you're stalking, you know, if you've got people with you, it does make the life, your life a lot more difficult. It does, doesn't it? Um, you've got to stalk twice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And, and yeah, David, David has become a lot better over the years, but uh, <laughs> initially, initially we, we, yeah, we, we, we had a few words. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he who, well. who is it that on, a, on the odd occasion forgets hit record? Is it, is it David or Charlie? <laughs> I, Siri, I do not. <laughs> forget to hit record. <laughs> I do not. But Charlie has. Charlie forgets to hit record. <laughs> oh. Charlie forgets. But as I tell him, oh, actually, there's a fox and a deer. One shot after the next. He was with Nick Latus many years ago. Is there not? Or do you no not even know about this? I, the thing is, Charlie doesn't tell me stuff as well because I tell well, him now off. Now you found out. No, but the thing is, what I told him from the very start is what the viewers don't see. They don't they miss. Can't so, miss it. You know, you can't. So he is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and what you can't see, what you can't see, you won't be upset mistakes, with. But <laughs> you know, we considering. But that's, that I mean, that's around, part of the fun of it, though. It is. It? I mean, we turn around a weekly show, mm. so you know, there's a lot of pressure to get something in the can, and you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. And we have, you know, we haven't got 50 people out there getting stories for us. It's us. There's only, only a little band. There's only mm. me, really, and Charlie, and. You know. But I think that that becomes more of a it's more the, authentic, the, more of the challenge, more of the challenge to actually get that get the footage, you know, to get something on you know on camera, something that that looks good, something you know, that something that's interesting. Got, that's it, and that you, you're working together. We, ha I mean, we had this discussion a little while ago, didn't we? Because you you got the chance to to actually stalk and shoot a deer, yeah, and you didn't yeah. take it, you didn't you didn't really sort of take that much from it, did you? It didn't. That was yeah, that was really compared weird. Compared to the shoot, the compared to the camera, yeah, work. people have it. asked me about uh, whether I shoot, and to be honest, I don't have the time. 
there are certain things I'd love to do if given the if I had time I'd go pigeon shooting possibly with Andy Crow, possibly not with Andy Crow. I don't know depending on what mood <laughs> he's in um, and to be honest we were actually I was going to take my first deer with Roy maybe you know I'd, but I hadn't shot a deer but I'd you know uh, I wanted it to be special and I had the opportunity when I was up um, with Neil Roundtree mm-hmm. um, at the on the Arden Merkin uh, Peninsula and just before Christmas and I just thought this is so beautiful and I'm with people that are very very capable and if I stuff it up then I'm covered Mm -hmm. so but what was really weird is that I've seen that sight picture so many times now and I just didn't know what I was going to feel and I shot this little uh, this calf and it was fine job done Um, relief I think relief was probably my first instinct but I didn't get that sort of sense of elation that I perhaps hoped for and I think it's because I was so conditioned to seeing it. You know, I've seen again it and so again many again. times. That it didn't, I didn't get buck fever. I mean, I've heard people with the radio mic on and that I can almost hear the heart oh, yeah. pumping through because they are that pumped for that moment. And mainly because they don't want to mess it up, I imagine. You know, buck fever comes from, you know, oh my God, I'm going to pull the trigger. Oh my God, you know, I'm going to take this animal's life. And, um, but no, I was sort of almost disappointed that I didn't feel more. But I think maybe it's just because I sort of I'd been there, done it, sort of. Yeah, I, know, I, I, I had to your hunting is, is your hunting is getting it on but camera. But this is though, it. I it? get far more of a, of a buzz. And what really annoyed me is that I took that shot, and there was an opportunity for the stalkers to then go round and do another. This was part of a hindcall. Take another shot around the corner, and the light that was beaming towards him and through the scope and all the issues and like that, and it looked amazing. And the smoke that came out of that barrel looked phenomenal. And I didn't have my camera with me, and I was sort of almost more annoyed. I sort of, obviously, yes, shot the deer, brilliant, that's cool, but then really cheesed off of myself that I didn't have a camera with me because the next shot would have been fantastic. And that frustrated me because my hunting, as Roy says, is making sure that I get the best shot I possibly can. And that's what drives, that's what really drives me. That's my buck fever. The biggest buck fever I ever had was with Bax Hunt when we were doing bow hunting on fallow in Hungary. Bow hunting... That's I had. I had. The, we were twenty yards from those bucks, and my heart was coming through my chest. Wow, that was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I'll never forget that. Amazing. It's, it's funny how the different aspects of it for different people mean different things, and I, I, I can, I can very much relate to what you're talking about because I spent most of my life until the last couple of years hunting and hunting loads, you know, all over the world, and I, I love every aspect of it and embrace every aspect of what that means to me. But recently, I've been doing a, a, a lot of more filming, and I have exactly that same thing where, whether it be for pictures or actually for video, if I don't have it with me and I see, just like you said, you know, awesome light shafts coming through the clouds where you could have had someone stalking over this, you know, a little bit of a knoll and a, a cool rock that's got the kind of shades on it that you just know is going to come out spectacularly on film, and you don't, you can't capture that moment. And, uh, You've yeah. stuffed your hunting for the rest of your life. <laughs> I know. For me, I, I, if <laughs> I have that. Yeah, I get when I go back and I and I, I can see that it's exactly the same for you. And you realise yeah, I got it. I captured that moment. It's it's almost exactly the same for me because I, I kind of flip it on its head for me. Where I I, I came up through the hunting route and began mm. f- uh, filming. I now get the same satisfaction pulling that off. And getting the nice shot as I do from actually hunting it for myself. Mm. And, you know, I, I, c- I kind of feel like I have hunted it myself. I've just been away for a couple of days now 
uh, with people over from Sweden and they were experiencing a bit of Scotland the way that we like to hunt it, which is as sort of, uh, you know, as wild as you can. We're camping out there. And I, I didn't pull the trigger once myself, but I was helping them hunt. Mm. And, you know, they were lucky enough to, to shoot a number of uh, a number of hinds and some roe over the couple of days. I feel like I was hunting for the three days. Yeah. It makes no difference to me whatsoever no, 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 whether I've pulled the trigger or not. But if I've, as long as no. I, if I've had a part of that hunt, whether it be capturing it like you do, David, yeah. or, you know, guiding it as I'm sure you do loads of times, Roy, it, I mean, it doesn't make it's, any it's difference That's it. It's, it's part of it, isn't it? It's, it's, that, it's the essence, isn't yeah. it? Of, of, you know, getting there, getting into that position. Um, and, and again, it's just wonderful to be able to share that, isn't it? Mm. Um, sharing it is more important yeah, yeah. than anything. Mm. I think, no, that's, I think that's, what, that's what I hope with the with the channel really is that we've been loud and proud about what hunters do, mm. have told the story in a an appropriate way. And I think and I think it's a you know, I think that's been a really positive thing because I think yeah. you know for for far too long people have been hiding you know in the darkness and not wanting to be seen, not wanting it to go public about what goes on and what happens, and and I think you know in this day and age we've got to be you know we've got to be proud of what we do we've got to be um vocal about what we do um and you know we we need to educate people we can't we you know we can no longer sit back on our um on our backsides and just think that you know the 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 threat to our passions the threat to our sport is going to go away it's not we need to we've got to hit it head on and we've got to come up or or show and hopefully prove that what we do is beneficial um you know, to the, to the wildlife that we're dealing with. Yeah, and no, I think you're, you're absolutely right there. And I, we've said it before, is that if you look back in time at the, the amount of effort that went into actually being open about what we do and not hiding it, yeah. there was almost, it was almost reversed. Exactly. There was almost a deliberate attention towards making right. sure that people didn't, couldn't see inside. And yeah. There was nothing, okay, undoubtedly there, was, there were things that shouldn't have gone on in the past. There are things that go on right now that shouldn't go on. But the vast majority of it was hasn't changed very much. No. But we weren't open about letting people in. And no. I think it's, it's damaged us now. It was something that, unfortunately, you know, the generations before us didn't have the foresight to see that potentially in the future this was going to cause a problem where literally it is a, a misunderstanding or a lack of understanding. Standing, yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people who eat meat out there. Exactly. It's, it's very difficult to find a better way to eat meat than what, you know, how we do it. Yeah. No, no, hundred percent. Yeah, and you can't you can't get better meat than that, can you? You know the the um, you know the the food that we we do consume is yeah is has got to be one of the most healthy ways of eating that you can have. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of other benefits as well. I'm sh you know obviously I, I don't gave me more I don't of it, to be honest. <laughs> more meat. She gave me more of it. Uh, it's like tear, I can see rolling down. I mean, crow crow offers me cabbage whites and stuff when we go pigeon shooting. That's all I get. All the old bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> All I hear about when you go to Crow is how you clear his freezers out to feed your children. <laughs> he actually he has got a haunch for me, apparently, but I don't really? know what he wants. He obviously wants something. I'm not sure. More air miles is probably what he wants. You yeah, must I, I do think you owe him a trip to Argentina. He's going, I think he might be going to Argentina. Really? Okay. Yeah. Hopefully you get an invite. I know. You must have found yourself eating a lot more game, though, since you've started doing this, have you, David? Yeah, I, I'd love, uh, I love game, and what I love is that my boys love game, too. Mm. And if... I ever bring anything back from Crow, which no, he's very good actually. If we go pigeon shooting, I will have a few to take home. But um, what did I? Eat? Oh, yeah, last time I took 
some game back. There was a mallard and a pheasant, and my youngest wanted to know which had the bigger brain. So he's Dissected nine. It. So he was there. To, you know, he just wanted to know what was going on. That's so he's he's great. He wants to see the tubes. He wants to see everything. And which and one had the that. bigger brain? Hmm? Which one had the bigger brain? Um, I'm glad you asked the question. Um, I can't. I think it was the. Be the duck, was it? I would have thought so. I would have thought so. Oh, you know what? I can't remember. Certainly, the skulls are markedly bigger. Yeah, so yeah. I would think it would be the brain. I think we're going off on a tangent, boys. <laughs> I think we're probably go- going into something we need none of us know anything about. <laughs> this is this is headshot revisited. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, don't. Any, anywho, um, but anyway, yeah. So the fact that uh, we went to a pub last year and they both had pigeon on the menus so that was their off choice. the menu so they, that was their choice i didn't so that for me is is great and they you know that's the way that they're thinking about their food so yeah they love it they love it <coughs> talking about education and and making sure that the right messages go out there you made a film uh, last year that was actually on the estate that we're we're on right now yep. which went out on field sports channel which yep. which looked at the the year in a, a grouse moor in the uh-huh. estate I, mean, I I think I phoned you just after that and and uh, and, and complimented you on it. It's, it's a, it is a f- fantastic film. The whole the way that the whole thing is put together, and I think the story. That's because you filmed a bit of it. <coughs> we might we might have mentioned that on the podcast. <laughs> well, my brother, I can't even take any credit. For my brother filmed the start of it. But what that um, what that film has, I don't know what the effect of it has been. But what that film portrays is the kind of stories that we should have all o- always been telling. How did you get to putting that film together? Because, I, I mean, it is, in my, uh, in my eye, especially in terms of grouse shooting, it is, you know, it is, it is right up there as the, one of the most positive points in our sort of recent history from field sports in this country as a way to tell the correct story in the correct way. I mean, how did it come about? It came about because... Um current owner of the estate wanted to um, speak positively or show positive things about the moor and what was going on here and so the best way of doing that was to uh, literally was dip in and dip out for uh, to, to, to witness some of the work that goes on here what worked out very well is that there were some academics here it coincided I mean to get 40 plus black grouse lacking you know only probably as the crow flies about a mile away from here was just stunning you know it was beautiful and um there was lots of gags about going out early to check <laughs> out the black cock but we won't go there but it was you know they were they were it was like being in the amazon jungle you know seeing something as, the sound as, as spectacular as that yeah outstanding. yeah and they're flouncing around but you know the academics from germany going we just don't see this. We do not see this. And they, they recorded, I think, 70 different species. They were overwhelmed by the number of, uh, by the p- biodiversity of this place. But then also the fragility, what I compared to that, the fragility of the nests, the ground nesting birds. You know, it's not a nest. It's sort of a sort of a scraping of a few sort of grass cuttings, mm. you know, and the fact that a dog off the lead, um, you know, a rambler straying from the path could, um, could easily break those nests. Wouldn't have a clue. Wouldn't have a clue that you've destroyed a, a clutch of eggs so it meant that I came back during the um, during the actual grouse season and George was here George Digweed was here so he is a countryman he loves and respects what they do up here and it was 
the amount of people from the community there as well. You saw this army of people arrive, and then this army of people walk across the moor, and coming from a mile away, could see them all spread across. And it was just extraordinary that there's that amount of coordination involved in a day. And no wonder it's so expensive, because the amount of hours that go in just for, sorry, yeah, the amount of hours in, over the year that go into creating something that's as special as, 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 a, as a wild bird driven over guns like that. But, um, but also the sort of the farm and the pub and everything else is connected to it. You know, this everything's linked there at the top of that of that pyramid is this moor. From and the outside um, it's very isolated. It is the driven day. Yeah. And grouse die. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the picture that the, the outside see if they don't have any understanding of it. Yeah. Obviously the film that you put but together had it so many arms and branches. There are arms, you know, because that element is incredibly exclusive. It's incredibly expensive, and only very few people on this planet would have enough money or have the know the right people to be invited on that. But from that, as with a lot of businesses, people benefit from the money that comes in at the top, and it filters down through all the way through the community. And it was trying to be able to show people in a constructive way what happens here and the amount of people that do benefit. And whether it's, I mean, at the time they were doing up a number of the of the cottages, local builders, local electricians, local plumbers, um, you know, th there were so many people. It was like a, it is like all the worker bees are around this hive, you mm. know, and it's sort of... It's a good analogy, that. Yeah. And it, you know, it really, it, it was, I found it fascinating. And what I do love is when I go somewhere new, somewhere fresh, and I learn. You know, again, I, I, I'm a journalist. I want to hear the stories. I want to hear from people. I'm interested in people. and But again, I mean, you know, obviously you, you hear... Um, the negative side from the likes of Mark Avery and Chris Packham and mm -hmm. whoever else, um, uh, you know, and obviously they've they've got their viewpoints on it. But the um, you know, I think I think the negativity that they you know they bring to the fore, um, they just don't understand. They don't they don't see the benefits. Do they? They don't see the beneficial side of what goes on here. Um, with I mean, okay, you know, they're not they're not pro they're probably not overly concerned with the the communities, but you know, just the the very fact that without the infrastructure of the grouse shooting, where else would the money come from to support an environment like this? It just wouldn't happen. No. Um, you know, and I, and I think you know they wax lyrical about tourism being able to bring in um, sufficient funding, mm. but you know, no way. There is just no way that that the the, the money could equal what grouse what grouse shooting brings the investment into the Scottish to keep economy. This place it's colossal. It's huge. Absolutely yeah, huge. you're you're absolutely right, Roy. You hear that quite a lot. It 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 is uh, <coughs> it is something that gets thrown back very frequently about what you could do with tourism if, and quite often they say, if you just let the, let the land do its thing, you yeah. know, l just let it be wild. Exactly. And yeah, the and the tourists will come. And you we we hear that here. We you hear it in Africa a lot yep. with trophy hunting. Uh, we had Ivan Carter on last year. It was an absolutely brilliant podcast with him, and he's an incredible guy. And he's been doing some incredible things, and the films he's been making have been fantastic. And he himself says, look, there are places where, yes, that is true. But equally, there are these vast areas where the tourists aren't going to come. No, not why, at all. why are they going to come? And also there, uh, and, and you can even pull this example back to the UK, if you have people coming to do their photographic tourists, but how many elephants and lions and leopards and everything do you really need for that? Exactly. Well, you don't really need very many. No. And so there becomes an incentive to have, well, they, they are large areas, but relatively speaking to the landmass, very small small areas where everybody comes, it's convenient, 
and what happens to the rest of it. And it's the same is true as true of up here. What exactly. would you do with it? Yeah. No, that's it. I mean, if, if, if it went back to what they want, then you would end up with a, an unmanaged landscape that was really fit for not very much. No. Um, I mean, okay, I'm sure the rabbits would thrive quite well. Um, but, you know, without, again, it's very tricky, isn't it? Because without the predator control, um, on these estates, without the management with on the on these estates, then you wouldn't see the massive amounts of of wildlife that you do. Um, you know, so it's you know, they, they, unfortunately, you just can't have your cake and eat it. There's got to no. be there's got to be give and take. There's always got to be compromise, and yeah. as long as we as humans want to live in the landscape that we live in currently, we have to accept that we also have to be part of of managing it. Exactly. That's that's the truth of it. And, and quite often people, the, the fact that we have an influence is missed out in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So often. Um, but I think it is, we just, as a community, we need to keep on doing exactly what I think we've seen an increasing amount of. Films like like, like The Year in, in, in the Grouse Mall that you made. I mean, what what has the, the feedback been on that? On that Brilliant. Have you heard? Really, it's no, been good. It's, it's always... What about, for, I mean, from outside the community? Have you managed to get any feedback from outside the shooting community with it? Um... Probably my family, but they're probably going to say nice things. Well, I hope they say nice things. <laughs> you hope so. But no, it's that is see that is that is the issue. It's trying to, you know, we're preaching to the converted. It's yeah. trying to get that beyond that. Um, and funny enough, when we do have a film that um, maybe people get excited about, it goes beyond our community, and that's when people start flagging up and start getting quite abusive about it. But we need to break those boundaries as as often as we possibly can. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's certain people are never going to listen to the argument. They never will. And you know, we get those people commenting all the time. You know, we just try and have to beat the drum. And it's like, you know, this this is carrying on. These are good people. They're not crazed. They're normal people. They are the bank manager. They are the optician. You know, they they are you know the eagle falconer. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's sort of you know, these are normal people, and they're just going about about their passion. And they they're, and I what I I think is great is that. On the likes of Facebook, people are openly talking about what they do, what they love doing. And I think, if anything, I hope with the fact that we've been so proactive on social media for such a long time now, that it's a warm, safe place. And, and don't worry about actually talking about what you do. You know, it's, um, there's safety in, safety in numbers and more and more people are being quite vocal about the fact that they go hunting and they go shooting and they really love it. Mm. What do you... Is, is there something that you see in, in your mind that we could be doing more? I mean, that's a, that's a very difficult question, that. But uh, as a community, what could we be doing more? I mean, open question to bo uh, both of you, to make sure that we can continue the, the slow momentum that we've got right now to let the outside in. And you know, ultimately, the reason why we want to do that is to protect what we honestly believe to be the best way to look after the land and the animals that we, you know, we we all hunt uh, and manage. I think it's really just the, your, even your circle of friends, to be honest, and whether you're going out for, I mean, <laughs> you know, when we go out for dinner or, when, you know, dropping, you know, as a parent dropping kids off at school, people know what I do. And, um, you know, or, you know, if they ask my wife, you know, where's David? Oh, he's in Hungary after ball, or uh, oh, this week he's up in Scotland, for, you know, which is great. I love what I do. And, Jane has no issue and lo loves loves what I do as well. You know, she's a country girl, but 
it's going when we go out to dinner with friends and you have those sort of conversations and it's either a conversation starter <laughs> or it's a serious conversation ender. But most people, you have a chat with them, you explain, and it's pretty rational. I think you start small and just sort of, if each, if everyone is quite happy just to talk about it sensibly mm. and openly, then, you know, then we just spread the word slowly and organically, really. What about what about you, Roy? I don't know. I mean, I think we need to. I mean, obviously, we were. You know, there's um, the subjects that uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll cover in a minute. But um, I think we need to see a little bit more movement, a little bit more dialogue between um, the you know the, the, some of the government agencies and our, our shooting organisations as well. I think we need to see you know a little bit um, of a stronger position taken by the likes of Basque and Countryside Alliance um, with certain issues. Um, and, you know, we were, I, th I think we were sort of, we talked before about, um, you know, the issues with raptor persecution mm, um, yeah. and how, you know, how... Certainly that is a massive taint on, it doesn't really matter what part of field sports you're in, it yeah, yeah. kind of, it, it taints everything that... That's it. You know, and I, I can see, you know, I can see the argument from both sides because obviously, you know, I've, I'm very passionate about shooting, but I'm also very passionate Absolutely. about birds of prey. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we breed a lot of birds. And we, you know, we've in the past, we've done a lot of conservation work with birds of prey. Um, but I think, we, you know, we need to take a, a sensible attitude um, to everything. And again, we were just talking about the, you know, the environment of a grouse moor that has got to be managed and has got to be managed to a, a very high degree to allow the species to flourish, to allow ground nesting birds, you know, predominantly grouse, but then obviously all of the, the wading birds, et cetera, that, that benefit um, as a sideline. But with, you know, with populations of raptors, there are certain birds that um, yeah, at this moment in time, I think are self-controlling and don't need managing. Um, and yet th there are other species such as buzzards which have done incredibly well over the last 20 years all across the country that are getting to um, or, or are, are currently at a population level where it's not sustainable um and i think i think we ha we you know but there needs to be honest discussions about that there does you know we we need to you know we need to have discussions we need to have you know people from both sides of the table sit down and have sensible dialogue um, and I think that's the only way forward because, you know, we have got a licensing system in place to allow for, for buzzard control, uh, to allow for to raven control and whatever else. Um, and I think that's something that, that you know, we, we need to look at and we need to, to sensibly manage it. Um, exactly the same as, you know, we, we manage our, our fox populations and whatever else. The last thing I'd want to see is, is you know, the last fox um, yeah. shot. But... You can't have if you are if you are trying to manage a population of birds that are vulnerable to predation. Um, you can't have um, an over predation from a, you know from certain predators. And the problem is, you know, because these environments are created. And let's face it, I mean, you know, there's there's very few places on you know on um, Earth now that are not interfered with or or managed by by human hand. Um, and then certainly nowhere within the um, the British Isles. So, because of that, because we we then alter the ecosystem, we alter the the balance. Then we're going to see you know different numbers of predators um, do better in certain areas. And it is, <coughs> as I say, 
the you know the buzzard the, the overpopulation of buzzards are causing issues um, so for other raptors as for, well not necessarily for other raptors well no they are i mean the, the the you know they are predating um you know it's been proven that they do predate on other birds so you know kestrels um are being predated upon barn owls definitely are predated upon um but you know also other game populations you know in certain areas the you know the hare population the brown hare population is is being pushed down because you've got huge amounts of buzzards in certain areas um you know and again up here you can see that, that if you've got a massive buzzard population it's going to cause problems when you know you've got your your grouse hatching and whatever else so you know i think i think i think in the future we need to have sensible discussion and a, and sensible a sensible look at finding a way forward that the estates allow a certain number of birds of prey um, to thrive, but they have in place a solid management backup that they can go to and apply for a license and get granted it if, there's an issue. if there is an issue and if there is a need. You know, and I think I think that's something that we we definitely need to push forward on. Because I, I'm sure there there must be a situation where where land can be managed economically at the same time as for the benefit of all the species to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, most definitely. I mean, you know, there's certain certain species, as I say, of, of birds that I don't think you know need management, and they and they do you know they do need assistance, but. Um, yeah, it's you know, I mean, let's face it, it's like badgers. You know, why are badgers now afforded such good um, protection? And and it's just because they've had a fantastic PR campaign in the past. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, it's it's no different, as I say, to foxes, to weasels, to to stoats, or anything like that. They they, they will cause an issue. Mm -hmm. It's still an animal at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, talking of badgers, um, David, you were filming with Tim yeah. in Europe. Yeah, uh, where it was perfectly yeah. legal and there was a season to hunt badgers. Yeah. Just for those people who didn't see that that bit of filming, just talk me through that and why they were doing it. They do it because they see them as well. They have been described as you know wildlife vacuum cleaners, and and they they control them. They have a season which they can control them. They control them with a dog, and you follow the dog, and they have specifically bred dogs to do that, and they bring them to bay, and so. I was given the opportunity to go out and sample that type of hunting. It felt weird, I must admit. And hunting for Tim, and for Tim, it was weird for us to go there and accompany this guy um, who does it all the time. And him, you know, and he was taking just like you would do with a lot of guys. If they take out take out a fox, they'll pose for photograph with the fox. You know, he was looking at his feed on his Facebook or whatever. There was, you know, they would all been shooting badges that night. You know, it's <laughs> just. It was very had a very similar vibe to guys who were keen fox, fox shooters yeah. in the in the UK, but that's what they're doing in Sweden, um, and it's that. just part of their hunting culture. And this is and this is what I like doing when we go away. Is you know, people say, "Oh God, you're going to put that film out? It's going to cause a you know huge you know huge reaction." It's like, well, how can you? This is what they do. This is this. Oh, I love experience different hunting culture down to night vision. You know. In one country, it's perfectly legal. Another legal, but you can use the lamp, and you know it's 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 all the same but different. Mm. Um, and you just have to respect how other countries and however hunters hunt. And uh, but I find that fascinating because 
you know, the, the, the legislation, we're only a few hundred miles between borders, you know, and, and, and you see a very different type of style and a very different type of culture. You know, it's just the way they do it in Sweden. Mm, yeah, no, it's an, it's an interesting one, that, and it's particularly interesting to see how um, hunters from one culture react to a type of hunting in another culture. One thing that stuck in my mind, actually, from a film series, um, the Uncharted series that Jim Shockey did was he was with some, um, uh, it was an, a native tribe in a country that I can't, Papua New, Gu New Guinea, I think it was. And they'd seen this white, like sloth looking thing up a tree. Mm. And they went to this colossal amount of effort to cut the tree down so that they could club <laughs> the sloth yeah. to death. Oh, right. Um, so they could eat it because yeah. it tasted great. <laughs> yeah. What really is the difference? But you could see it, the look on his face and the, the guy, yeah. uh, Corey Norton, who's hunting with yeah. him, they were, they were really uncomfortable. Like they, yeah. it, wasn't, it was very uncomfortable for them to stand there and watch this. And yet, essentially, it is the same, it is the same thing. And it's mm. a slightly different culture. Although, I mean, in, in that circumstance, I think the animal probably was a bit, yeah. a bit stressed while the tree was being chopped down underneath him. But you know, they, they've grown up with that culture. It is their land, essentially. Yeah. Just the same as, I suppose, we would view some things that are done with uh, the Inuits. Yeah. You know, I'm sure they do some We're things up there that we might find a bit uncomfortable to watch, but that's their life. That's how yeah. they've, they've grown up. So, they, yeah, I think there definitely does need to be that sort of respect amongst hunting cultures. But that's what, we, you know, we, we try and, again, it's a, an element of education. It's mm. broadening people's horizons. This is what people do in, in Sweden. Who would have thought? Did you ever know that the people that you <laughs> know that badgers are you know that this is this is what I enjoy telling those stories because it was interesting going out it was weird felt wrong because it's it's very deep in our culture mm. that you do not do that and so for us to accompany this guy it was actually very exciting mm. because you are charging you're through at night wasn't it at night charging through the woods hear this dog he's obviously brought the, the animal to bay you know, you are going through, you know, you just don't know where the hell you are. You know, I'm, I'm running along with a, a camera that's got, it's IR sensitive, so I got a basic idea. But, you know, you can't really see what you're treading on. When we were going through Clearfell, I was falling on my backside all the time, you know. It was, it was but he was, ha you know, he's just charging through trying to get to this, this animal before it went to ground and one did go to ground what was very funny is that tim offered i said i'm not filming down there because one was <laughs> one was brought to ground and it's like go on then pill beam oh he jumped he jumped because this thing didn't have we left it you know we left we left it be i think they i think they are allowed to to dig i think they can uh, don't quote me on this but i think you can dig them out but you know you know I decided not to. the sport wise you know that mm -hmm. you know it escaped the dog it was down let's leave it so mm. no amazing is there anything in your mind that you really want to capture on film? That moment. I know you, you had a bit of a thing with boar for a while. I had did a you not? big thing so with boar. Well, we'll talk it's about my this nemesis. first. Before we look onto the next thing you wanted, yeah, yeah, wanted yeah, to do, yeah. the boar story. No, I just uh, stuffed it up every time. There was just it was the wrong stand. Um, didn't get a shot. Didn't see any boar. Didn't see any boar. I mean, mm -hmm. I used to go out with Dom quite a bit, and. Uh, this is over in Europe. I Dom, no, no, Dom in the UK. Because oh, Dom used to shoot yeah. a lot of boar in the UK, mm. um, and it's never being able to see that that boar clearly and just get that clean shot. And um, I've managed now to get a, a few driven boar. You know, I, I do find driven hunting incredibly exciting, and filming driven hunting incredibly exciting. I was out uh, last time I did it was with Paul um, in Paul Childerly in uh, in Germany at the end of the year, and that was great. 
there was some, you know some really good shooting. Actually, one of the best moments was she was with Mr. Lupton when he shot his first wild boar in France, and that was that was a good shot by you. It's pretty good shot by me as well. So it, it all was, came together. Yeah, it, everything came together. We were very lucky, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, it, it was, was good. Yeah. Again, <laughs> just good. a lovely feeling, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, yeah because we'd uh, yeah we've both been both been trying for that moment, and then it all came together all yeah, at once. Yeah. And it yeah. was just uh, yeah, a culmination. <laughs> But no, it's, you know, it's just, it's... So what, what is, is there something, I mean, for, for so long the boar escaped you, and now you've done it now, mm. you've, got, you've captured some great, is there anything that is on the list of ticks to achieve? Because, you, I mean, I, I, I maybe before, before you answer that, you must have seen the game change a lot over, over seven years in terms of the filming and Filming's content changed. and how you've had oh, to keep pushing massively. the boundaries. Massively, massively. I mean, but, you know, it's... It's gr it's fantastic how technology and, and people are so clever with their technology. I mean, I did budget ratting with with Crow, God, I don't know, five years ago, mm. with his friend came was out. Was that on the, the dumpster? No, that no. was see again. That was thermal. I mean, the things that we have available to us that you can now film through. You know, it's it. What I'd love is is a really good. I say strap on the <laughs> camera. You strap this is going to be explicit now. <laughs> uh, something, something you can, that, you know, can really, really uh, that doesn't affect the shooter. That so you can, you just can film see down the through the scope. That's mm. that's that's really what I need. But I think thermal is going to be very important. But yeah, just the, the difference of what we started off with and what we're dealing with now. Whether it's the IR, mm. uh, whether it's with thermal, whether it's with um, the drones and all the things that have been made available to us that really, you know, to hire a helicopter would have been 600 quid before it even took off. Yeah. But, you know, the, the stuff that we can do and, and deliver and the quality of the filming that's out there now. Um, and it's pushing pushing the boundaries all the time. And it's and it's great because, you know, the people want to see their sport represented in a really good way, in a beautiful way. And we do have some beautiful, beautiful films out there representing what we do. And they're inspirational and they're aspirational. And I think sometimes almost we actually, actually sort of almost pull it back a bit and just think about what actually... But do you think it, could go, it can go too far? I think so. I think at the moment we're talking, you know, we're talking to... Uh, I think it's, it's great to be aspirational. Of course it is. Mm. But a lot, I'd say 99.9% .9 of the people wouldn't be able to go after an Ibex. Mm. You know, I filmed, I filmed Ibex in Kyrgyzstan. One of the oh, what best was a great series of films. That but, but one of the best trips well, I would probably ever do. You know, it's just one of those moments and one of, those, one of the teams of, of guys that, you know, it was just, it just bonded and worked. It was mm. great. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, but very few people get the opportunity to do that. Mm. And I think it's sort of... Uh, people it's might want to watch it, though. Mm? Even if you don't have the opportunity absolutely. to do it, people still want to watch it. Though. Absolutely. And to be honest... You know, people will get the hunting buzz comes from so many different places, um, situations. You know, we've we've done stuff. I don't know, we ratting or whether it's you know, driven boar. You know, some sometimes it, it just feels you get the same sort of sense of achievement regardless of where you are in the world or, or what your quarry is. You know, it's that if you've put that time and effort in. And it works, but again, for me, again, it's down to the filming, and we've got some footage from this trip, which is extraordinary. I've had a sneak peek. It is indeed, yeah. But it's just—it is just that evolution with technology, isn't it? It's just, and the evolution of the films when you but see. But also, he's he's, he's mischievous. You know, we've done some funny films. He's pointing at Roy, by the way. I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. You know, we've done some stuff. 
that we that we've looked we've looked at them played it back and gone, Oh my god, what can we do with that? <laughs> you know. Um should we play it, not play it? And um you know, we've pushed it. We've pushed the boundaries. Is, it, is there anything you regret putting up? No. You don't regret anything that you put no. up? No. No. Is there what is the thing that's caused you the most I'm not, I'm not going to say stress, but headshot. the most real. Okay, well there you go. The most reaction, the negatively positive. The headshot. And that was with Roy. That was with Roy. But that was Roy. You just seem to be the centre of the trouble. <laughs> he is. He is. But that that. It's cool. No, what, what, no, just explain the reason for putting that film together. Reason put that film together because we wanted to do a film about head shooting because people do it. Yep. And we wanted to show that it's devastating if done properly, but also if you are not 100% sure that you're able to make that shot, do not even consider making that shot because the consequences are consequences can be yeah but you know i went out to do this with roy because he's been involved with culling park animals and, and you know managing deer herds in that way because that's what was demanded of him to do that and so he has to be on it so we did a full description of why you're doing it how you're going to do it but only do it if you're absolutely certain you can make that shot and we we wanted to just explain it and I had a slow-mo camera and I filmed that headshot and uh, it got a lot of interesting reaction because it's very graphic. Mm. We spoke about it for a long time, Charlie and I talked about it a lot and we decided, okay, we will make the decision. This is going to be 18 only. only. Okay. So it's the only film that we've actually put up that we've said we want this to be... Um, accessible only by adults so uh we did our bit we felt we did our bit we felt responsible to our audience and that's what we did um a lot of people on the continent didn't like it because they don't ever take headshots okay. in the uk we take headshots mm. you know and we felt that if people do it why not show it, why not show it? Mm. Um, this is the part of the part of the honesty that we talked about right exactly. an hour ago yeah absolutely people do it you know, and if you're going to do it, this is a sort of mess. Uh, but but explain it and justify it, which is what we exactly to, what There has did. to be justification. Yeah. Every time we go out and film, there has to be justification. We can't go out and go, we knocked something over. Yay. That's not what we do. We're doing it either because it's part of a management plan, it's put food on the table, uh, it's an animal that's out of control, it's injured. There has to be a reason. And I think you can tell most hunting stories because there's the backstory. The backstory has to be the backstory has to be the front story. Yeah. You know, we have to be on the front foot. We're doing this because of X. Because if someone turns around and says, why do you do that? Don't know, just fancy doing it. That doesn't work. That does not work. doesn't mm -hmm. stand up. We have to turn around and say, right, we did this because. Because our mantra is blue sky's best practice. And Charlie and I have always had that. So what we do is in the best possible way. And we do it to the best of our ability. And, you know, we want an animal welfare is at the very top of it. Did you have any kickback from that, Roy, when that was put out, yourself, personally? No, I mean, again, it, it created an awful lot of interest. Um, you know, it, it's like the, the reaction you find, even the reaction from ourselves when you actually sit and watch something like that. You're absolutely bearing right, in, yeah. Bearing in mind it's, some, you know, it's something that we do hundreds and hundreds of times and you look through it, you see it through the scope, but to actually see it extended in, extended slow, motion in like slow motion in front of your eyes for the first time, to see it in that graphic detail was just quite—it was shocking, um, you know. And you, and you sort of, you know, David and I both looked at each other like sort of little school kids when we were looking at it in the slow motion. Like you're just like you're cringing, but you're like, oh god! And can you show that? Should we show that? Mm. 
you know, and as, as David said, you've got a, a you have got a responsibility to the audience. But yeah, that it is. It's it, it's what goes on. That is the honesty of what happens. And, and a, lot that, of, a lot of that meat will have gone into the well. All of it will have gone into exactly. The right? You know, and it's you know we. Um, you know Dom, Dom that we're up uh, with it at the moment. You know he's a he's a dear manager. Um, you know, and we've, you know that that is the shot that that we take within parks. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, and we're being a lot more honest by showing that than the vast majority of other food that goes into the exactly. Oh, hundred percent. Like but non wild wouldn't again. You know, you look <laughs> at it and it and it in its in its gory detail and in the shocking event of it, but. If you look at it, you know, you look at the nuts and bolts of it. I would, I would, if it was, you know, if I was being cold, if I was being cold, if my if my day is coming, I would much rather go like that than you know go into a slaughterhouse and and go With through the, the process. Exactly, you know that those animals know absolutely nothing. You know, it is just lights out as quick as that, and no pain, no stress, no fear. They're having a wonderful day, and there is literally just lights, lights out. out, done. Um, and that that is something that you realise when you see footage like that. Um, you know, okay, it is graphic, and it is you know it, it can be described as gory or whatever else. But you know, f- from the animal's welfare perspective, you can't get better. I think you maybe have to worry about how many times that because that, that's been copied and put up on Imgur or Reddit, whatever, and it's been watched many, many millions of times. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> I think we have to question, not our audience, but the, the general public yeah, wanting to watch it. You know, so, so I was actually just about to wrap up there, but um, it's since you bring it up, it's an interesting thing that, and it's maybe it's, it's something that we need to think about within ourselves, is that we see it if you look at the, the, the timeline of a video. The amount of people that re-watch Killshot, but like in proportion to the rest, it's loads. Mm. It's completely mm. disproportionate yeah, with yeah. any other part of the film. Mm. Why? Because sure. I, I I think it is because at, you know at the end of the day humans are a predator, aren't we? You, you, think, you think we so? we you know it doesn't you you can't hide the fact that we are we are a predator. We evolved as a predator, and I think that is the the pure essence, you know, of of what goes on in people's psyche, that that fascination of hunting, that fascination of being part of it, and and being engrossed within it being you know being you know immersed in it it's the end game exactly you know and and i think that's what draws people to it isn't it you know because it is because we are we we do live in a a society now where we are um very sterile i suppose sanitized yeah um you know so i think i think that's that's what people look at um i thought people watch the news (laughs) <laughs> in my shows there's a definite peak no, you, for, ju- you just make the snuff films, films my well you would know you, you'd be able you, you yeah well yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely true. totally true yeah. forget people Charlie rewinding Char- watching Charlie the news <laughs> it's just so they can hear you say what you say at the end yeah whatever it is <laughs> no but de- I mean de- you know de- before before we do go though um, oh god one, one of the things what? that <laughs> what no go on no, no, no. I just about about regrets of oh, okay. you know, going back to the regrets about things that um, that we didn't film or things that we you know we haven't got for generations to see. The, the going back a, a good number of years now, um, we were out rabbit shooting, and it's it's. It's something. It's something that I wished I'd filmed because David hadn't hadn't at that time hadn't shot a rabbit, so. 
he, um, I said to David, do you want to shoot a couple of bunnies? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, we're just going around getting some ferret food and whatever. So this is one of the, as I say, one of those moments that I wish I'd recorded. But David shot this rabbit. And as part of the process, <laughs> David got out of the car to go and pick it up. And do you, do you want to explain or shall I? No, you crack on, mate. <laughs> Nothing compared to how he reacted when the rat got anywhere near him. I I am quite honest that I I think they are the one animal on God's good earth that petrify me. That I would, yeah, if I could run, I would run a mile when I saw the bloody things. But anyway, David David went to um, pick this rabbit up, and I I didn't realise quite, you know, how precious David could be. And it was, I think, it was the the sort of don't like getting my hands dirty. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He doesn't like the blood and gore. Anyway, he he went to pick this rabbit up, and it obviously had a bit of twitch left in it. And the next thing, you just hear this almighty squeal kick out. (laughs) Almighty squeal. I think he's that wasn't that wasn't the rabbit over egging the the rabbit rabbit pie there. Uh, Sorry, over egging the rabbit pie. <laughs> but yes, yeah. no, it, it was. It's one of my anyway, favourite memories of a night I'm out. Far better now, aren't I? Sorry, I'm far better. No, you are. No, I mean, you know, you've again that evolution, isn't it? You know, you've gone from not being able to pick up a, a, a slightly warm rabbit to <laughs> throwing fallow bucks over your back and carrying them out of woods oh, in Sweden. King Kong, no. huh? King Kong. Well, exactly. Are there pictures? Are there, is there evidence of this? No. Oh no, I did pick it. What did you take a picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm sure we have got it somewhere. But yes, no, he's uh, as I say. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely manned up these days. <laughs> and on that fantastic <laughs> note, yeah, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> you're just racking your brains. You're trying to think. Yeah, there's plenty. Is, uh, we haven't got time. <laughs> no, no, but time. again, yeah, it is just it's just part of the fun of it, isn't it? And it is it is part of that relationship that we've got within the you know within what we do, and it is just a a complete Mickey take out of each other all the time. But it is yeah, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, we are getting the message out there and uh, going the right way with it. Well, this has uh, certainly been a very fun podcast to be part of. And uh, we've have managed to keep the fire going. Well, we, we almost. I need to go and put another log on it now. <laughs> but thanks so much for taking the time out tonight, guys. And, no, uh, lovely I to hope see you. that you have uh, a successful rest of your week because you're, you're very busy the rest of the week flying yep. more birds. Exactly. No, we've and got the weather uh, stays good for you. I know. It's, it, we, it has been glorious. So, yeah, fingers crossed it stays that way. You can tick this off your, uh, your list of. About bloody time, Byron. <laughs> not wrong. Wrong. Well, I'll, I'll make sure that if we get you or Charlie on ever again, you're first. Is that it? <laughs> what did you want more? <laughs> I was hoping for a bit more than that. No, absolutely, that's very kind of you, Byron. No, it's been You'll a pleasure. Be first. It's, been a pleasure. Be it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. No, thanks very much, guys. Okay. Well, that's it for the next two weeks. Well, we might join you again with a show in between, but you'll have to wait and see. Thank you to everyone that's uh, been listening the last uh, few months. Don't forget, you can find this on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, on iHeartRadio. Now, the list is becoming massive what it's on, so there is no excuse not to listen. You can get it on any device now. And uh, importantly, share the knowledge of the podcast with a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all about sharing information and learning. Um, So if you know people who listen to podcasts but don't listen to this show, at least tell them to go and check it out and decide for themselves whether they want to carry on. And leave us a review, please. Yes. If you could, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that helps us massively because more people can find us. We are running another competition this week and it is to win a Caldwell XLA bipod. It's the 9 to 13 inch, which is actually probably the most useful uh, length that you can have and it's uh, also tilting and swiveling. 
which uh, certainly makes it a lot easier when you're trying to angle yourself into an yeah. awkward shot without twisting the stock of your rifle. If you want to win this, it is going to be the same competition as we ran two weeks ago. And Daryl has the details. Since it was so popular, we're going to do it again. And we found that simple is the way forward for people entering competitions. So all you have to do is find the post with the Caldwell um, bipod picture and tag a friend underneath. It'll probably be one of the top posts in the page at the time. And the Facebook page is Podcast Into the Wilderness. Mm -hmm. So you can only enter on there. Well, actually, you know what? You can put the same thing on Instagram. You know what? You can do the same thing on uh, Instagram. We'll, We'll put up a picture. And if you don't have either and you listen to the show, then I'll tell you what, we're, we're, we're kind people. Just email the show and we'll enter you in the competition. Uh, inf- uh, not info. No, no, you're making me do the wrong uh, <laughs> podcast at Pace Productions UK. And if you could be kind enough to put in the title competition, competition and that will help us out. Everybody managed to do it at the seven days of Christmas. I'm very impressed because yeah, we did. had hundreds of emails coming in and everybody managed to put in the correct title. We will speak to you again in two weeks' time. Uh, This podcast is brought to you by the Scottish Association for Country Sports.